And now, Hollywood Prospectus. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. Hold your applause. Shia. Hello and welcome to the Hollywood Perspectives Podcast. My name is Chris Ryan. I am a writer for Grantland.com and on the other line, he's got three phones and two secretaries. It's Andy Greenwald! This is a big day. Look at us. Hey, Look we at got this. a third guy in the room. Yeah. This is exciting. Who is this guy? Where'd you find him? I'm just here to set picks. Bill Simmons here, crashing the boards, just playing a little cleanup for us. Well, we just did a pod ourselves. Yeah, we just report. did be, uh, Build a Lie. And I just refused to get up. Yeah. So here I am. So do your thing. I appreciate this. This is actually really good setup for Game of Thrones this season because it's like before we would have one character in one place, one character in another, and now the good characters are mixing. So are you saying yeah. that Bill is like Tywin? We should put little eyes on top of his eyes and lay him out on a on a, on a kind of funeral pyre here? I, I thought maybe he was like Stannis riding into the north and you were going to make <laughs> some sort of pact with him, but you can that's say right. he's dead if you want. I mean, if that's uh, the angle you want to take. I don't know who those people are. <laughs> that's good. We're, good. we're off to a good start then. Today we're going to talk about season premiere of Game of Thrones, second episode of Mad Men, a little bit of uh, Daredevil, and yeah, some Yeah, excited. I have a really important question. Yeah, sure. So I went out to dinner last night and came back and it taped the, the East Coast feeds early on my DirecTV. Right. Which one do you think I watched first with my wife? We talked about oh, it. We good. actually had an argument about what do you want to watch first? What would be more fun to open with? What would be a better like head into the end of the night show? What do you think? Out of everything you had on your DVR, which did you watch first? Yeah, it was at night. It was about nine fifteen at night West Coast time. I thought you just rewatched the second half of the affair. (laughs) Just burned through that. No, no, no. We did that Saturday night. (laughs) Okay, so this is a Sunday, starting fresh. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to say it probably wasn't Thrones. Probably Mad Men, right? No, Thrones first. Thrones won, Thrones huh? first. Thrones first. Was, the Simmons family was slightly more excited for Thrones. Who was, you so come your, full your circle. wife was like really into, like, I got to catch up with Cersei. I got to pour myself a Chianti and get into the mood. <laughs> Just ready to have our friends back. Yeah, I was ready for Thrones back too. You know, there was some, uh, I think so, I've saw some people online saying it was a little bit dull, but like, I don't know. I mean, a guy got lit on fire. <laughs> yeah, I mean, what do you want? I mean, it's just like, and there were dragons. Yeah, there's dragons. A guy got lit on fire. You know. Yeah, maybe our standards have risen way too high. If this yeah. was a dull episode of Game of Thrones, the, I mean, it, that's the HBO model, though, right? The first episode of every new season is always kind of a set the tone. Got to put the chess pieces in place. It's particularly for Game of Thrones because they have so many plots in so many different places. If you go back, the season premieres have always been like, and these guys, hey, remember them? Yeah. Oh, and by the way, over here, and we didn't but even I get thought- to see Arya. No Arya so far, and Bran is off the grid entirely this right. season. But I want to know what you guys think. I thought, in general, this was a better season premiere than past in past years because the people, for the most part, that we care about were in different places. I mean, that's what I was alluding to at the beginning. But we have, you know, we have Tyrion in the east with Varys, and we have uh, Jon Snow and Stannis building up north. I mean, it's a little bit more exciting than past openers. Yeah, you you know, you go into this, you go into the show. Do you find yourself sitting there entertained or are you also just sitting there being like I don't know who this guy is. I don't know why they're over here. <laughs> no, I, I know who everybody is. I right. just can't but, remember half the names. Right, so I'm casual game of thrones. So have fan. you started giving people nicknames? Well, I'm just like that guy, this yeah. guy, tall guy, guy with stuff <laughs> on his face. Um, that said, the, this show is pushing us further than anyone ever expected to be pushed, where there's the scene where Cousin Lancel Lannister shows up, <laughs> yeah. and not only has no one seen him since the beginning of season two, he's now shaved his head, gotten rid of his shoes, and everyone's like, oh, that guy. Yeah. No, no one was like that guy. Right. I didn't know who that was. I just hit Wikipedia. I'm not ashamed to admit it. Well, I think you're, you're right, though. It's really good to see people moving around. You start to see some overlap with characters, the Daenerys... Uh, Tyrion Varys like union is seems seems pretty inevitable at this point. Dragons. Dragons. We had a brothel. Yeah. We had a throat slitting. I didn't think I we was We had a guy set on fire. How is this a mediocre episode? <laughs> a brothel for eunuchs does not seem like a growth industry, but it looks like they're making it work there. Well people are paying for snuggles. <laughs> yeah. It's very sweet. I actually this is terrible, but I my <laughs> wife and I talked about this and I was like <laughs> So you can do this with a prostitute? You can just snuggle with them? And she's like, wait, you're not going to do it? And I was like, no. I'm just, I'm, it's just as interesting. Like, would, would that be adultery? I don't know. You like to skirt the danger zone when you watch television with the family. This was the same conversation we had about the affair. That's true. It's like you like to, you like to spice it up a little bit. It's I not I also think that any place where you could possibly get your throat slit by a guy in a gold mask yeah. is yeah. just not a place you need to be spending any of your happy hours. But that's... Would, that was the lesson I learned. Don't snuggle at a brothel. Don't ever you say that Game slit. of Thrones doesn't teach us things. Yeah. 
That's right. So, okay, let's go. We should go through the plots because yeah, it's sure. all over the place. So I'll go to you guys first. You're in the same room. Maybe you're on the same page about this. What was the number one storyline that was of interest to you? Very in big surprise because I was kind of in and out on it last season, but I thought it was a most improved player is definitely Jon Snow. I thought that the guy who plays him, Kit Harrington, did a really good job. I don't know if he went to acting class over the summer. Maybe it's because <laughs> he's just around some people who are really good, like Stephen Delane, who plays Stannis, and uh, Siren Hines, who plays uh, Kieran Hines, sorry, who plays uh, Mance Raider. But I thought he was really good. I thought like his reactions to car- to other people, like when uh, Melisandre tells him to touch her face, and he's just like. All right, lady, we're like we're in an elevator, you know. And uh, I just thought he was good. I really enjoyed the wall stuff. And he had the Seth Meyers viral. Uh, video yeah, I last mean, maybe week. it was also that. Like, I couldn't stop laughing every time they said "bastard." Do you think He's it's like it's like an athlete who you you kind of gave up on a little bit as maybe being an all star, and then all of a sudden in like season could be, six yeah. or seven, he's he's getting my this- favorite my favorite plot and the plot I was excited about heading into the season is uh, Khaleesi just kind of going James Dolan on us. And <laughs> I just like the whole thing where she, oh, I freed you guys. It's going to be great. Yeah. And it's like everybody's like, I, actually, it's not great. We we kind of missed some of the stuff we had before, and she doesn't see it. See, this is – we Chris and I talked about this a little bit last week about how the Daenerys stuff has been a little frustrating because she was by far the coolest journey for the first two seasons and then kind of got bogged down. And yep. I talked to Jason, our maester, about this in the Watch of Thrones pod last week. He was saying that having read the books in real time – he started reading these books in 1996. But this, is, <laughs> wow. this is his life. Um, he, he was saying that he thought the books took a real turn when – Martin was writing them during the Bush presidency and the Iraq war when he started writing about basically the Iraq war engagement via Daenerys, okay. which is a lot heavier than what HBO is selling us as. But again, that's kind of interesting in terms of writing a book about the post-war fantasy where people get entrenched and you have to deal with the factions and the uprisings. That's not necessarily compelling TV. So I was a little worried about where that was going this season because she still hasn't left that pyramid until you know the sense that Tyrion is coming. If Tyrion and Varys comes and they bring one-liners with them, yeah, that plotline is. She gold. definitely needs some some improved uh, some some an improved like ensemble because I think she's been acting next to the eunuchs a little too long. Like a lot of people who are just like, yes, your queen, my queen, and also you know, I mean, like I don't know how much how much mileage you can get out of whether or not she's going to legalize man-on-man fighting again. But the dragons <laughs> are the real subplot, right? Right. The dragons yeah. are you know the way it ended last year. And they were lingering over this season, like how big are they? When are they going to turn? Are yeah. they going to turn on her? Having some tough times of puberty. That was my favorite scene of of the of the first episode. So we have year. a dragon is out out right now. We don't dragon, know where this. Yeah, we have a dragon on the loose. <laughs> yeah, right. Somehow that didn't come out. up. <laughs> dragon is just snacking on goats. Dragon is just doing what dragons do. Yeah, she's got two surly teenage dragons locking themselves in the basement playing video games, being like, "Mom, <laughs> yeah. get out!" And she I mean, can that's... get lit on fire, right? So, so if they were to breathe on her. Yeah, great question. I don't. She came out of the fire. She seems cool with they fire. They breathed it away from right. her, though. It was like when yeah. somebody has bad breath and they kind of yeah, turn right. their head a little. They they diverted. They yeah, diverted. yeah, yeah. But she was scared. There's no question. She was scared. I think they could definitely eat her. I maybe they wouldn't <laughs> burn her first. I feel like there are a lot of ways and reasons to be afraid of dragons going forward. That was another um, conversation I had with my wife. Was the dragons got big, like almost a little too big? I think they have different life cycles than what we're used to. Dragons. All right, because I was going to say, like, from seventh to eighth grade, the like, dragons like gained twenty four inches, yeah. basically, if they were human. <laughs> Giant dragons. <laughs> Their vertical leap just improved. Yeah, like, they went soaring up. It's the like big David board. Robinson when he went on the submarine and just like <laughs> sprouts up. <laughs> but at some point, the chain's not going to hold the dragons. Uh, yeah, I'm think. I mean, I think even that rock is kind of wishful thinking, to be honest. I, you know, I mean, like they just kind of like roll that thing back in front. I'm surprised she didn't wait, wait. get a little bit of ribbing when she came out of the the dungeon, and the dragons are obviously having a meltdown, and the other guys might have been like. Oh, so now they don't listen to you either? Like, what are we going to do here? Yeah. Like, but it's like for a show that really gets deep into issues like occupations of countries or the sewage system in King's Landing, yeah. I actually wouldn't mind a little more time talking about the room in the pyramid that happened to be dragon ready. Yeah. Or who dragon yeah, yeah. it? Dragon like, what yeah. store did they go to to buy the chains? Uh, we're you know just going to put like some egg cartons up here dragons. that should muffle it a little bit, you know? Like, <laughs> what about you have to have fireproof chains too, yeah. right? It's when the dragon so goes, <gasps> and then get rid of the chain. 
I know. I mean, these are the real questions that we want to know. I mean, maybe it's in the books. Maybe it's in the thousands of pages, but we don't know. She's definitely going to be something that's fun to talk about, even if it's not always the greatest thing to watch. But I'm interested. It's interesting that you thought that that was that was one of the. Well, I love Khaleesi. I'm a bad person to ask. I'm always in on Khaleesi. I feel like the the King's Landing stuff was almost to a point, a fan service to a point of self parody with uh, Cersei wandering around the open bar, just picking up glasses here and there. Like she really does get a day buzz going, like pretty much no other character. Well, other than Roger Sterling, who we're going to get to later, yeah, who was sipping right. vodka in a locked room at 10 in the morning. <laughs> but, the, the, yeah, the King's Landing stuff was interesting. I'm pretty into the fact that Charles Dance, who was, Chris, this was our MVP of the show yeah. for a couple of years, must have such a good time and good rapport with them that he flew to Belfast just to lie on a stone for a day. Like, that's a, that's a sign of a happy show when a guy comes back just to be dead. Well, so this is a, a good point that some people have been a little bit annoyed about. I don't really know why, but so the, 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 really, the big hot-button issue for Benioff and Weiss going into the season was whether or not there would or wouldn't be any flashbacks. Right. I think people are worried about this being a kind of thing that, like, prolongs the series unnecessarily or, does, you know, like, takes away from showing the world as it is now. But we did get a flashback to open this episode. Yeah. I wonder if Dance's continued presence on the show albeit rather still one like suggest that there might be some more flashbacks coming later in the season with him maybe i don't know like Uh, a lost like lost type situation where it becomes a gimmick i don't think they it added anything is the problem i mean it was a good casting of cersei i don't think it added anything we didn't know and i would have rather have used it as an excuse to see more charles dance because he was awesome right Um, i have a controversial opinion other than Lost, when have flashbacks or dream sequences really ever worked? I have an idea for the flashback for Game of Thrones that would work that I definitely want to see. Okay. It's like, when in their entire romantic history did Cersei and Jamie get along? Like, when has it not been absolutely miserable, <laughs> child-murdering, dad's dead, brother betraying them, so he's, he's got his hand cut off and so he's you getting exiled, she's getting sweet- married off to this guy, that guy, or the other guy? When did they have their, like, their, like, grease summer love thing going? So you want to see the sweet, tender yeah. side of incest. Yeah. Like, that's, you, you want to be romanced by incest. You want to see the allure. I just want to know what makes it so worth it. They were sitting under a tree when they were fourteen, and yeah, something like where's clicked. the where's the charming like like meet cute? Yeah, so, I mean that is. I'm just gonna leave that there. I don't know what to do with that. Here, here's a question I have. Uh, for I you thought guys. it was this a great was, question, Chris. <laughs> it's the um, Mance Raider, the King Beyond the Wall, yeah. Kieran Hines, great actor, a lot of promise, a lot of chatter about him before we saw him in season three. This is the one thing that I think sometimes the show gets you know maybe being being chained to the books actually hurts the show because such a cool idea for a character. We hear a lot about him. And then because the show has to keep moving and only has so much real estate, he has, what, four scenes in three years? All of them are intense? Yeah. And now he's gone. So I feel like a little bit cheated. I kind of would have liked more of him and I feel than I felt like we got. I mean, he, he, he was barely there. Did he, did, it, did he make an impression? That's what I'm asking you guys. Do you, do you think he served a purpose in the growth of the show? I thought it was more about potential. Than it, I, I, I hear what you're saying, but I think it's because we've seen him in so many other good movies and do, do good work elsewhere that we were probably a little bit teased by his, the Kieran Hines' particular presence. The character right. itself was, like I thought, interesting enough but kind of served its purpose. Yeah. Well, what about the fact that um, – someone asked me this on Twitter uh, – did you see, it didn't occur to me at all, the parallels between what happened to Mance Raider and what happened to Ned Stark? Because Ned Stark, all the way back in season one, right, bows down before Joffrey and says, I'm sorry, because yeah. he doesn't care about his good name. He wants to stay alive. Right. He gets killed anyway. So that sort of put Mance Raider's decision, which seemed kind of stupid, because I feel like if option A is getting burned alive and option B is literally anything else, <laughs> you probably should choose option B. I know. B. It's not like he hid it. He, it's not like he was playing three-card money with what was going to happen. He was like, oh, no, you're going to get burned alive. Like, where he was like, how am I going to die? Hanging? Beheading? He's like, nope. Burned alive. He's like, mmm. That sucks. Well, I'll still Bad take negotiating. that. It's just like, kneel down and then just negotiate later. I mean, you can always renege on a deal. What and what was his his motive was? Well, I'll lose the guys. Right. I'm right. like, you know what? I'm fine with losing the guys. <laughs> How great are the guys? Some of those guys eat yeah. other guys. Yeah, yeah. it's not like he's hanging out with like the cast of Cheers. He's like, these are cannibals. <laughs> he's like Popovich trying to keep the Spurs together. It's like you're gonna get burned alive just for the sake of uh, <laughs> making it a fair and balanced critique of the show. What were some of the things you may have like found a little bit boring or had a little problems with? Uh, I I thought. Uh, Tyrion just going like the full-fledged drunk thing with him. Yeah. I don't know. I just feel like I've seen it. It's like, oh, great. He's drunk again. <laughs> I don't know. 
it's not as charming as when Cersei does it. And yeah. It would have been more interesting to me if he was sober and they're like, Tyrion, you look great. You've lost 10 pounds. <laughs> yeah, seriously. He's like, you got... Are you eating... Are, are you, you paleo now, man? You look great. Yeah. <laughs> you look awesome. Like, they that would have been, been kept me on my toes more than just him being drunk and surly. It's like, oh, if great. Varys had just been, Varys had been pumping green juice in those yeah, holes right. and everything else is coming out. And my wife been... wants to know why Varys is so loyal to him. I think Varys is loyal to an idea, right? And he sees a common, uh, like, a common sort of warrior for the idea of, like, a fair and just, just world in Tyrion, I think. Yeah, I think okay. he thinks that he's smart and sensible and plays the game the right way. He admired the way he ran things leading up to the Battle of Blackwater. He yeah. knows how terrible most kings are. And I think more than anything else, he sees that he, he's usable and moldable. I don't think he would have gone otherwise uh, if he hadn't seen that potential in him. I will say the one thing about last night's show that jumped out to me is they lost two incredible villains. Like Joffrey is, is what, like Hall yeah. of Fame, like is on the short list of any villain conversation you're ever going to have. And then uh, Tyrion's dad was the same thing. And the Hound. Yeah, and the Man, Hound. I kind of like that. I was always rooting for the Hound. I was into him too, but like he's, I mean, that's that's a lot of, of heavies you lose. So who are the top three villains right now? How would you rank them? The Boltons. Remember uh, yeah, uh, the, the guy who took who took the North and his bastard son was the one who took, uh, you know, took, yeah. took certain parts of Theon. Uh, no one likes him. Um, yeah, and also no one likes him because he's not entertaining. He's Totally dull. His, his very PR was the lowest of any Game of Thrones character. <laughs> very low. Um, it's a really good question. So I think that Melisandre is pretty pretty scary. Well, don't you think yep. Cersei is going to be established now as as a villainess? Well, I think actually part of the what, what's sort of interesting now is like when she was walking and she goes in to pray or to hang out with her father for a second, and Jamie's there, and he says they're going to come after us now. So it's almost like Cersei's going to be the villain, but I think she's also going to be the hunted this year too. What's Natalie well, Dormer's character? Marjorie. So when she finally deflowers the 13-year-old, is that going to be the shortest <laughs> sex scene in HBO history? Like Not a if Chris has his way. Chris <laughs> just wants romantic Westerosi nights <laughs> with just like teen sex. I'm not saying I want to see the, the bedroom stuff. I want to see the like fun date at Johnny Rockets beforehand. You mm. want the emotional backstory <laughs> the without having to see the... Exactly. <laughs> That's very tender. I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, so I think there is a villain void. But they'll fill it yeah. within the first two episodes. I thought Dormer it. was great, by the way, just yes. in limited screen time, just her amusement while she's eating dates in I that mean, bedroom. My thought, my thought about what might be happening based on absolutely nothing, because I've not seen further ahead in the season, is that by taking the sort of stereotypical big villains off the board, taking the bad king, you know, people like Joffrey was so cartoonishly bad. Yeah. When you take those guys out of the out of the narrative and you start to potentially curve towards some kind of resolution, all you have left are people who think they're heroes. Yeah. And they're eventually going to have to fight. And so that theoretically is kind of it, – it's, it's interesting. I don't know if it makes it for as compelling TV, and that's kind of the challenge that the showrunners have going forward. Well, what you're saying there is I think actually a good point of any to segue into Mad Men. We're going to talk more about Game of Thrones on Wednesday when we do Watch the Thrones, which is sort of our review preview pod that you can also subscribe to on iTunes. Mm. And uh, I like the spinoff. But you're talking about compelling television. You're talking about maybe a lack of antagonists or a lack of – of uh, momentum, like you know, uh, let's talk a little bit about the second second episode of Mad Men from this season because uh, while it's still blindingly intelligent and super funny and just great to watch and fun to fun to hang out with, I, I think you are you're seeing put some people out there being like, uh, "What's what's going on?" What's I didn't know going? how you were going to put a butt in that sentence, but go on. Yeah. No, but like, I think there's a lot of people out there just being like, "And what are these seven episodes going to be about?" Who are those people? Uh, just imaginary strong men I'm making out on yeah Twitter Twitter heads who no, are just I, like nah. I enjoy no. every Mad Men episode. Me too. Like, yeah, those, the complainer people can can uh, can go enjoy life in about seven weeks when Mad Men's gone. It's true. I feel like I I really like last week last last week's last night's episode, even though I know that parts of it didn't work. And what's sort of making me crazy about this? There were a bunch of tweets I saw of people being like, there are only five hours, six hours of the show left. How could they be wasting time on this? And it's like wasting time being the show it's been for seven yeah. years. If you go back I, and watch earlier seasons, like there's so many digressions. There's so many like, oh, we're doing a weird like uh, Harry episode. Like that's crazy. Like it, it, it's also what is the end game that we're being denied here? Yeah. You know, like, I mean, this is what I wrote earlier. It's like, it's not as if Roger Sterling is going to suddenly read Leaves of Grass and realize that Don Draper was Dick Whitman and the villain all along. There is no big, like, Breaking Bad finale coming. There's just going to be this emotional puddle or wherever he drops us in. So just spending time with them is fun. I cheated on Greenwald. I had Sepinwall on the BS report. 
And he said, I didn't know Weiner. we were going to bring that up. <laughs> he, he, had, uh, he said, Weiner said, there's at least a couple of these episodes are going to be like jumbo sized episodes. Like longer than an hour. So it's we have five hours left, but really we we might have like six hours and 20 minutes left. Huh. That's interesting. Yeah. That's good. I mean, I hope I, we get I some more like... Julia Ormond furniture moving. Love Ormond. Can we talk See, about Julia Ormond? Too. I love Ormond. I'm just, I, I'm just playing devil's advocate. I thought it was a great episode. I, I, I especially get like, I think sometimes I get a little carried away because just like the 35. So what was it like? Maybe two minutes combined screen time of Don talking with Harry was like the funniest thing I've seen on television this year. You know what I mean? And like yeah. just any any time Roger and Don are in the same office, I'm just like blinded by how good it is. But then you're just sort of like. You're watching. I think what we're actually watching is a lot of the final like chapters of these of this these stories, sort of being told very quietly instead of very loudly. Like you're saying, it's not going to be a yeah. Breaking Bad thing. The Don Megan thing is going to come to a close. Pe- you know, uh, Betty is going to move on with her life and get a get a master's. She in moved psychology. on to another show already. Yeah, I mean, right. It's like we don't even need her anymore. She's busy. Yeah, I mean the thing the thing that didn't work, I don't think, and I don't haven't seen any really good defenses of it was the waitress thing with yeah. Elizabeth Reeser's character Diana. And I think it's kind of at this point, the show is what it is. So it's almost fascinating to see a showrunner continue to do the, have not only have the character do the same thing over and over, fall for these problematic dark haired women who he thinks can save him, but have the showrunner do it again. And the change or the observation in Don is so incremental See that this, this time when he did it, when he left her and, you know, or when she told him to get out, he kind of almost seemed to realize that what he had done. Yeah. He seemed to have gone one millimeter in the yeah, direction of figuring it out. Yeah, she was too damaged for even him to be interested. In. I totally yeah. disagree. Like, first of all, the the you said there had been no good defenses. I love of the that. waitress character. Really, bring it. First of all, totally catnip for for Don Draper, brunette has yep. some issues coming out of the gate. Like he likes that. He want he doesn't want to be surprised by your issues later. He wants to know you have them yeah. right now. Some sort of insurmountable obstacle in place. He had to like conquer, you know, whatever, try to win her. Yeah. But here's what I liked about it: she was, she's like a loser. Like she was this like loser waitress who, like Roger Sterling, insulted within five seconds. And somehow this was attracted to Don. It's like his standards had fallen so far for like the smoking hot brunette with personal issues that now yeah. it was like. <laughs> and that's why the elevator scene was key because he's Carlini's in there with the in rich there. lady, yeah, right? Who was like probably the best. That had the most going on for her of anyone and that they were liked, the, and they were the and closest then the waitress. to kind of happening because like if it wasn't for like the way it ended with right. Sally, I think that there's a whole different. She's plot. the best yeah. mate, right? But then they, the way they position them in the elevator, like she's behind her, and it's like this girl's in front, and then Don's just with this like freaking waitress who's running away from her life in Wisconsin. Like to me, that that symbolized like Don Draper has is still. Not doing well. Yeah. That's a really good point also. And it also talked about how his, his complete obsession with secrecy has just gone – it's become a serious problem. It's like you know, if you're drinking socially it, too much, it's one thing. And then when you catch yourself drinking alone – and in this case, no one knows what he's been doing. You know, he, he, he's, he's playing det- amateur detective at Greek diners and he's right. keeping this woman in his apartment at 3 in the morning wearing a suit. And it seems very furtive and just very creepy. And that, that was sort of was the wake-up call. That was the harsh light when she looked at him in the elevator. I, I think that's a good point. I really like the undercurrent of the, sh- of the season so far that's about, like, how money dulls your creative juices a little bit and maybe, like – creates this like fortress around you because like don hasn't done any work this year like he's go play golf with a guy you know like write million dollar checks to megan like it's nothing's gonna have to refurnish that apartment that's not gonna be cheap you know and it's like he he's just sort of standing around they're all just sort of standing around i mean even roger has got needs like two secretaries to complete just like the most basic business task and you can see him just sort of being like this is way too complicated than it needs to be roger and it's interesting to see how they're sort of showing how companies especially coming out of that that time period were getting bigger and bigger and bigger and these rich guys did, had less and less and less to do but they found things to do like play golf like have three assistants like just sort of like you know drink at 10 a.m casting couch sex yeah exactly i mean it's sort of fascinating to watch the bloat of the company you know what i mean and, and especially in light of the scene with don and megan at the attorney's office which might be the last time those characters are ever in the same room together yeah, let's hope know. so um <laughs> When she, you know, if the whole show is about advertising and selling yourself, she she nailed him in three words. I mean, what did she call? She said he was an aging sloppy. something. Li- what is it? Aging, sloppy, and, and liar. selfish liar. Yeah, and he didn't say anything because she's right. 
You know, that is the logline version of the character of Don Draper for eight seasons. And think about who they're contrasted with, right? You've got Peggy, Stan, and Prima, Mimi Rogers. Pima. Pima, sorry. Pema, Pima. Pima. Being, they're they're the ones who are really doing the work, like the art and the selling of stuff, right? And they're having like the kind of tension that Don and other people would have had five years ago. I've been with Mimi Rogers for almost 30 years now. (laughs) And I still defend someone to watch over me with Tom Berenger is one of the great cable movies that's really ever been made. I was a big fan of The Rapture. Remember that one? The Rapture is Mimi Rogers has been really good. She married Cruz. Yep. Uh, Might have even gotten it annulled. They were divorced or annulled and then said afterwards that he wouldn't have sex with her and that he wanted to be a monk. So I've been in. First of all, to go against Cruz, I love. Um, Yeah. But I I love that part. And I totally agree with you. I I, I think it's cool. How, on the one hand, you have all the guys who actually built the company and yeah. made all this money and have no idea what to do with their lives. And then the fun part is down here with all these people right. who don't know what they're doing. Do we think $1 million? Like, how much was that in 1970? Isn't that like Someone $20 million? Did, no, I think, I think uh, Sepinwall did actually in his recap had. I think it was $7 million today. Seems a little hefty. Yeah, That's I a mean, big check to, what, to are, what kind of money did these guys all get from McCann, or is it all tied up in stock? Couldn't have been more well, than six, seven million. But he says something about like, well, my money is just so weird, right? My finances are really weird after this, after this what? McCann deal. But he's paying. He's probably still paying Betty. Betty's taking half, right? And he's now he's just giving. I don't think he has to pay Betty once she got remarried. Oh. I think oh. that's how that was works. I, I mean, as as an expert in New York State divorce <laughs> laws, circa 1970, but I, I believe he doesn't have to. But I think that he's just. I think they're just dumb rich now. I think that that was the implication. Right. That's that how. Just that's have, what I took away too. They just have so much money, and it's useless, and it's not making anything any better. See, I defend the whole Megan. I I know she was in the show a lot, but I liked all of it. I thought every scene that she was in made yeah. sense. And then on top of it, like she destroyed Don Draper. Nobody's ever been meaner to Don Draper, and he just took it. I felt like she off, but I, I also felt like there was part of her that that didn't mean it, and that it was like a extension of all the strife that she was experiencing with her mother and her sister, and that that he was just the easiest target for what she was angry about. But it's also it's interesting to look at her and to look at the way she was when we first saw the yep. character, however many seasons ago, when she was, you know, she was. I mean, they all were younger, but she dressed much younger. She was a secretary. She was much more uh, warm and engaging mm-hmm. and happy. And then we see her sitting across the table from a guy who has not physically changed at all in however many seasons. Well, and then and, on top of that, she she believed in him in the beginning. And she was yeah. like one of the last people yeah. to kind of buy into Don's yeah. BS. And, and now, now she's flipped completely on him. And she was so the opposite of Betty. She was kind. She was warm to him. She Remember the spilled milkshake with the kids that – basically yeah. caused him to yeah, marry right. her because he didn't yell at any she didn't yell any, at anyone and through all of it even through him being in New York pretending to be working while she was in California she still still believed on some level about who he was and what he was and so it really seems like and especially the way it ended last season was just sort of quiet disappointment i mean yeah. everyone remembers the end of last season as being about the moon landing and burt cooper's song and dance but that scene where their their marriage just dissolves on a transcontinental phone call was huge. Yeah, he just let it go away again, and so the, I guess the question we have is, what, what's he going to actually make a play for with five or six hours left? Right. And also, we learned don't don't leave New York City unless you know what you're going to do in L.A. Yeah, apparently, like, stay I in mean, the soap opera. It's sort of I mean, now we know it's one of the more, that's what Chris Ryan mistake. He almost <laughs> made that mistake. Yeah, he had quite a soap Chris opera Ryan. going with me. But no, I actually like the idea that a bunch of these guys have gone to California, which is sort of the place for reinvention and the place where you you know you leave New York to go to L.A. And now yeah. a bunch of them, Pete and Don, and t- is Ted's back too, or is Ted's, Ted's back? T- they're all back. They're all like eh, sharp, you know? Yeah, exactly sharp. <laughs> they're all saying like, well, where else do they go? You know what I mean? Where does Don go after this? Racine? Like, I mean, where where well, could but, he... But that's what the show ultimately is. Yeah. Like, he spent all this time searching for a way to be happy. And he tried it through Guys. work. He tried it through women. He tried it through California. You know how this show's through ending. Money. You know how it's ending. Do you, do you think that's we how it's ending? We all know how it's ending. Yes. I don't think so. Okay. I don't... Th- what I, are the I, odds I, it ends? How can we gamble on this? It ends with him what? jumping out of a building. It doesn't. It does. It doesn't. It's going to end I'll that bet. way. They've swerved everyone away from thinking, oh, actually, it's not. It's going to. No, he's jumping. That's how the show I, ends. I'll, I'll bet Chris Ryan's hat that it is not that. That, that, okay. that he does not die. In the I, I will put anyway. up my hat as collateral for this. Bovada or sportsbook.com. <laughs> Give me odds on Don Draper jumping. <laughs> 
I mean, no one's jumping. I think we no need that Haralabob offshore place so we can really like. Get yeah, into yeah, it. yeah, yeah. All right, I just jump. Here's here's the thing. Like the show is the show, and the thing about final seasons that are so interesting to me, just to watch as an observer, is that these are the times when the sh- the dream of the show we wanted to be watching finally diverges from the reality of what the show is. Mm. And so all the people who wanted it to be about yeah. that guy jumping or to be about a definitive thing or Don's going to do this or that in sort of a hard decision, decisive way. It's just not that. The show never that was this, that. this show ends closer to Godfather 3 than it does, you know, Scarface. Oh. Like, I think I think this is uh, Don Draper sitting alone in a, in a backyard in Long Island, kind of farmed out from, from what he'd been doing for most of his life. Probably what? rich than, more rich than he can possibly imagine, but just alone. Can I or, ask you guys or, a question? Yeah. So I saw the Entourage movie, and it was shockingly decent, <laughs> and it's going to make Whoa. like $150 million. Yeah. Does that – does Matthew Weiner, like, deep down – is he gonna? Is like let's say the Entourage movie makes a lot of money, which I actually think it will. Um, if you just end the show, Dondre, whatever, does that open the door for a late seventies Mad Men movie? And I, would you guys go? I mean, I'll go. I, I'll go to. I'll, I will participate in anything Mad Men for the rest of my life. Okay, so you're in. You have a blind sure. pass well, on Mad sure. Men. Sure. Yeah, I, I think that the thing is, I don't think it'll ever happen. But. Also, also because you know the show just ultimately isn't that popular with people. Like it, it had a steady number and it had a huge cultural footprint, right. but just in terms of like raw numbers. That said, like Chris and I were talking about this the other week for a show that was so avant garde and, and interesting. We we have a relationship with it now, like we did with L.A. Law or whatever. Like we'd want to be in the office. Yeah, with it's these like people. ER, where you're just like, I, if this yeah. show ER. wanted to go on for twelve I, years, I'd be fine. I, I just want to see them bantering in the in the art department. I just don't want that to go away from my TV more yeah. than anything else. More than whatever happens to Don, I just miss like the random people asking Peggy if they should grow their hair long. If like, you do want a spinoff, moments. though, I would be into a spinoff with Stan and his nurse, what, his nurse girlfriend. I mean, I would spin that off. They in seem any, like they have direction. a great relationship. Except for the fact that he slept with Mimi Rogers well, I just earlier mean, in the day. Yeah, but come on. I just feel like, not going to sleep with Mimi Rogers? I feel like their, their, their relationship domestically, yeah. like just her coming home, she lights a joint, she's like, let's take some pictures. He's just, it just seems like a cool, cool setup. It's it's the every so often the show gives us a glimpse of people who maybe were born in the right time yeah. and they just seem like normal people who are living their life in New York City, going to jobs and liking each other. And yeah, like I guess this couldn't sustain a show for seven years, but it sure is nice to see that people were okay. Yeah, a few people were okay. Can Sally Draper spinoff would oh, be Sally the worst Draper thing spin-off. that could ever happen. That would be the Draper opposite of set in the early eighties, like downtown or late Manhattan, 70s. bright lights. Like she's city. in college. She's at NYU and. Yeah, I don't or, know if I'd want to watch wait, that. Wait, what's like, let's do the numbers. Could she have been in New York like 78, 79, 80 like like post-punk? She's a art student at Pratt. She hangs out with Basquiat and it's this whole other like downtown world. Or is that the Netflix show that um that what's his name is doing? That Coach Taylor's on? Um No, <laughs> I th- I think she meets Jenny Gump in New York City in 1976. <laughs> and we just cross franchises. <laughs> They're living in New York it's the disco era. And they just tick every historical box between them, like every major event they happen to be there for. Do you think yeah. Sa- Sally Draper whatever her act- I I was worried about her acting for a while. Yeah. And uh like remember AJ Soprano like about two-thirds of the Do way Do you remember in- AJ Soprano cuz we haven't seen a lot. Well, of that's him. the thing. Yeah. Like two-thirds of the way we were like, wow. Yeah. This is he's really bad at acting, and how are they yeah. going to do this? She's gotten better. Like she's she's pretty decent. She's now, good, which but is good. We should talk. Maybe we should. There needs to be a, a like a league or a name created for this because there's a certain type of actor who is given the role that showcases absolutely all of their strengths with yeah. almost none of their weaknesses. And I I think about it with Mad Men a lot because Christina Hendricks. Every other time I've seen her, she's been not that memorable. She's not been. She hasn't been bad though. This she's would be never like, bad. Yeah. But when she's on Mad Men, I think she's one of the top. She's a top tier actor this on is, Mad Men. You're she's talking fantastic. the Noah. This is the Noah Wiley Award. Yeah, right. You know, someone who, someone who gets all the best looks. Yeah, in he, the he, office so, design. Someone call it the Luke Perry Award. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Depending on your generation. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> depending on the era. The I'm dead ball to think era. Who would be, who is that next Noah Wiley? <sighs> like post '90s Noah yeah. Wiley. Like, um, it's a good question. Yeah, what uh, what? We have to think of like the big show of the era. I mean, be you like could look Sopranos at almost, oh, era. Jo- uh, Josh Holloway on Lost. Oh yeah, that's a great one. Yeah, I still believe in. Is it weird that I'm still holding on to my Josh Holloway stock? It's like my WWE stock. It, it, it's, things it's keep weird. going it, bad for those guys. Like I could see a a, a Lost spinoff coming. Not from uh, not from the creators, but that acting crew is not really taken off since Lost, except for like 
Evangeline Lilly has a nice career, but you could see like a little bit of a, hey, what if we just did a nice know, career? I don't yeah, know. who? I, I wouldn't call it a nice. Well, career. she's in a uh, Ant Man, no, right? She- she 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 what she did was I thought was really smart was she's like well people like me in kind of genre stuff yeah so I'm just gonna make money doing dressing Hobbit up like movies. an elf and dressing yeah. up like a comic book person and like so she has a nice life I don't know if it's like a nice groundbreaking career right. the wire guys and ladies have made out the best it's because, yeah, because not they only have constantly. they had good jobs yeah. but it's always good to see them I feel like they it's like seeing. Guys who played for the Boston teams on other teams. It's like, like the oh, smartest thing guy. The Walking Dead did was just like, why don't we just have everybody from The Wire yeah, be on or, the show? Or, yeah. or as this way of segue, like in episode three of Daredevil on Netflix, the guy who plays Judge Wayland, the guy, the guy Peter Wayland. No, what's the guy's name? He was the judge in the first season yeah, of The Wire the, and throughout. Right. Peter Garrity is his name. He shows up just in the background as like a like a like a mobbed up guy, and immediately you're put at ease. He he does. I don't know if he's ever going to show up again. The show's Maybe been he just vetted. Wanted, it was a, right. Right. Go ahead. Talk about Daredevil. I'm not watching. Let's talk about Daredevil. Uh, I have to be honest. Game of Thrones came back. Mad Men was on. Veep came back on Sunday. The most fun I had watching television this weekend was watching Daredevil. Yeah, you you and I texted on Saturday, and you said you were not, you wouldn't have time because you and the girlfriend had some Wolf Hall to fire up. <laughs> Next thing I know, I start getting texts about like the the influence on the fight scenes in episodes two and three. You went in. I think I was just like, I don't really have the time. I don't have like the 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 headspace to to follow another show like this. But um, I was blown away. I was blown away not not by like oh it's like it's 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 the Godfather it has something incredibly important to say about like crime and morality it's just like perfect television they figured out how to make a perfect piece of television they have the exact tone they yeah. uh, like it's so much more violent than I thought it was going to be and I don't mean to sound like ecstatic about that but <laughs> part of the problem with watching a lot of like superhero movies is you watch these guys throw each other into buildings and punch each other and you're just like this is just like this PG PG thirteen fighting is just kind of boring after a while this is incredibly like if he gets punched he gets hurt and he has to go to the doctor and get it fixed you know yeah like, and, and and just like even you could see that in the poster which was so well designed where he, he looks like a cool hero but his hands are destroyed yeah. because he's just been punching people and there's this physical toll and it it's part of the character i mean the best things in the, the daredevil comic book were always this intense new york city vibe and grittiness and this catholic guilt and they somehow got all of this and it's not cartoony it's enjoyable yeah it's well written it's, it's really well directed across the board good performances i was just really like so pleasantly surprised by this here's the biggest reason why and i feel like this is part of a bigger conversation because we're we're basically getting nothing but comic book stories from here on out the best adaptations of any of these comic books have been the ones that have gotten the central idea right. They've boiled it down to some pure idea that works not just as a comic book, not just as a comic book that people have been reading for 30 years or as a science fiction movie, but about an idea. And so Batman always worked the best because it's like, well, he saw his parents die and now he's crazy and likes to fight crime. Yeah. That's pretty basic. Superman in the Richard, the first 78 movie got it right too. Like he's an alien who has great powers and wants to protect Earth. It's pretty simple. Um captain america movies are really good too in a weird way because it's, it's this, this corny hero idea. who's like out of time yes yeah, like stuck it's, in a in a different time or or or, or iron man he's he's an in a fancy suit yeah. like that's that's pretty easy daredevil they brought down to a very simple idea which is he's a he's a screwed up kid he's blind and he's trying to fix the city at in two ways at once he's trying to do it as a lawyer and that's not going so well and he's trying to do it as a masked avenger who beats chechenians in the face until they're until they bleed and that's not going that well either. But it's a very simple idea. And that is something that, like, the Green Lantern movie couldn't do. That's something that the X-Men movies yeah. don't really do. It's a, it's a very simple thing that Marvel seems to have zeroed in on. If you need any more reason to get in on it besides me and Andy gushing over it, we do have to mention the uh, presence of peak Vincent D'Onofrio in this show. Oh. Yeah. Playing I you were going to say Tiffany Amber Thiesen no, for a second. He's oh. playing Vincent D'Onofrio as, as the, the main villain, and he's really – He's really bringing the D'Onofrio. Wait, so what Andy just said, because Aquaman's never worked and Plastic Man has never worked. Right. And those are the two that you always – I like I've said this before, but I've always been amazed that Plastic Man didn't work as a movie because it just would have been the coolest. Does now it- that we have the effects. But like what are the – what would Aquaman be protecting? Like could he be protecting – how global warming is yeah, affecting the ocean? going to stop like, desalination yeah. plants off the coast of San Diego. He just wouldn't have I- a beef. I think what DC is doing, what they're doing with all their comics going forward into movies, is they're just making everyone really angry and intense. Yeah. And so they cast Jason Momoa, you know, who played Cal Drogo as Aquaman, as no, some sort of like underwater fury guy. <laughs> I love that guy. 
Well, I mean, if I think they're just making it a straight action movie, but I guess he has fish. Too. You know, I don't quite get it. You know, Rafe and I are the two biggest Jason Momoa fans. Do you guys watch The Red Road? What's that? That's his. Uh, it's that's his show, TV right? show. Sundance or IFC. Jason Momoa is a TV show. Yeah, he plays a biker. I gotta abandon my fan club. Yeah, membership. I didn't I'm know. saying Gr- Grandland.com did not shows. give it a positive review. Um, it's not very good, but but yeah, or uh, you know, like the Fantastic oh, you know Four. What? Yeah, I go ahead. We tr- when was that? Like we trashed that like Red six Road? seven months ago. <laughs> it was a year ago. The second season's about to come back. Yeah, it's just not very good. I didn't know Jason Momoa was in it. We should have made that more clear. <laughs> but D'Onofrio, here's another thing. So he's the big bad guy in Daredevil. Yeah. And because it's – this is another thing that's good. They have 13 hours. They didn't do an origin story except with some flashbacks, which yeah. is also good because we're sick of origin stories. The cool thing about the show is he's talked about – they don't even say his name. He's so powerful and behind the D'Onofrio's scenes of the criminal character. underworld. Yeah. D'Onofrio's character, Wilson Fisk. That they don't even say his name. And he doesn't even show up really until the end of episode three. And the way he's introduced is not – being a badass villain, he's introduced taking an art dealer on a date to an Italian restaurant. Yeah, I also like how like they're like small choice. They're like ah, Hell's Kitchen. It's like it's like there is no Hell's Kitchen anymore. You're not really yeah, scared do- to be over on 55th and 10th unless you want tapas. You know what I mean? Like, it, yeah, it's not, not that bad thing. over there. It's really not. So I should watch Daredevil. Yeah, definitely. It, and Jason Momoa is going to be Aquaman. Jason Momoa's Aquaman. But nobody's going to be Plastic Man. Daredevil. Plastic Man has fallen out of favor. It's those 70s glasses. I feel like it's not a... Also, the powers are similar to the dude in the Fantastic Four, which has not gone that well either. You saw Furious 7. You know, you're, you're a big fan of like action movies from, from the last 20 or 30 years. Do you get bummed out with the amount of comic book movies that are coming out, or are you starting to learn to love them a little bit? No, I skip like, most of them. Yeah. yeah. Do you, do what's you... the one that you like? What's, 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 what's one that you think, oh, that was a pretty good movie regardless of what it came from? I thought the first Iron Man was good. Yeah. yeah. Um, I've always been disappointed with Spider-Man. I don't feel like a Spider-Man movie's ever gotten And they there. keep starting it over in high school. Yeah. Like they keep say like they keep whenever they reboot but it they're like let's get him back in Hulk, high school. But Hulk is the one that should have worked the best and they've never they I, botched the last that. one I know was half decent but yeah. um that was such an iconic TV show. Wonder Woman should have worked, but I, they've never found it's got to be the right woman and the right level of something. Yeah. I think But um it's also know. tone. It's tone and idea, and I feel like the Spider-Man thing. Now that Marvel took it back from Sony, I think they're going to do it right because the, the the appeal of that character was always that he was a high school student. You know that he was trying. He was he was struggling in school and struggling trying to save the day and failing at both. And that's like a very simple idea. As soon as you yeah, have him made swinging like five through Times Square, that, haven't they? No, but in, inevitably the high school stuff is like two minutes during the origin, and then the next thing you know, he's punching Jamie Foxx in Times Square. Yeah, like right. that never. It, it's it's way too big of a scale. And by folding him into the Marvel stuff, I think it actually might make sense because he can just be in his little corner in the same way that theoretically, like something as ridiculous as Ant Man can be in its corner. We've talked it's about work, this but. before about how like a lot of the stories like from comics would work well as television shows. Daredevil is just absolute proof. Like, I don't need to have two hours of like, is the city going to explode? And you yes. know, what's this guy's origin story? What was he like in high school? I just love it. Like, get in, get out. Rosario Dawson. Rosario uh, Dawson. Oh. Yeah. She's great can, in this. Can we officially say that Fast and Furious is basically a comic book movie? They yeah, easily, I mean, sure. Those guys could have been in comic books. They have superpowers. I've never seen so many people jump from one car to another. I know, or through, from but one building to another. It's, yeah. always, it's also it's using always the same well. language, right, in terms of like building the same story across yeah. multiple movies and bringing pe- making super teams out of people that have been in other movies. and It's, it's following the same playbook, yeah, definitely. Mm. Any, think- uh, any other shows you're watching right now? Last Man on Earth. I really like. Yeah, we haven't talked about that in a while. I fall. I fell back on it. I mean, I, I'm a couple weeks behind. But Did you get to the to January be, Jones stuff? I got just to that, and okay. then I haven't seen since then. It seems like the cast is now bigger than like than than the Wire. Like <laughs> yeah. they seem to have added literally an entire city, <laughs> Last which seems year. like a pretty quick sellout of a premise. Doesn't no, they it? Only I, have, I knew they, they only had four so far. They but have, they, I knew they couldn't do multiple episodes with just him, but I thought they could do like more with three people. Yeah, yeah. am I wrong about that? Uh, it, I think it's not that they added more people as much as it just, everybody just plays a, like a, if, it, if, if you took away the apocalypse part of it or like the everybody being dead around them part, it would be like a pretty straightforward comedy about like this wacky guy who accidentally married one woman when he likes another one, you know, like it, it's just pretty much a sitcom, which I guess makes it, makes it, makes it funny, but it, it's still like, it, and that's how it got on the Fox. first couple of episodes were so inventive. Cause you're like, this is really funny to think about this guy who gets to drive around and do whatever he wants and like give into his base urges with, and 
And it's kind of interesting because you wonder the version of that show that maybe they would have sold to FX, would they have stayed with the reduced cast longer? Yeah. Was this kind of a hedge where they were like, well, Fox is interested, but we assume Fox and, uh, and America wants a more conventional sitcom. Yeah. Then they put it on with just Will Forte, and that was probably the best rated episode to date. The ratings have, are fine. It got renewed, but they've been trending downward the more conventional it's gotten. Huh. I like that Turn came back. <laughs> Turn's Not back. Not only to come back. It came back with a longer title to explain what it is. Spies, right? Turn is the worst name for a show ever. (laughs) Turns back. They should add another title onto Halt and Catch Fire. There's more espionage this year. (laughs) This is so ABC has this problem where you know they name they give terrible names to their sitcoms and they get canceled. Yeah, you know, uh, Trophy Wife and Cougar Town and uh, (laughs) you know Blackish is a terrible name for a show. Um, I disagree. Got renewed, but. But they have they have a problem. We can agree that they generally have a problem. Yeah, with their title problem. AMC, they need Dave Jacoby naming things. Well, AMC now has the, the reverse namer. problem. Yeah, halt and catch fire, and turn where they're big. Like we're still in this original programming stuff. Not everything's going to be a spinoff or Walking well, Dead. Well, they, they, at least they what just were like things? you know what? Fear the Walking Dead. You know, <laughs> like it's just that's we're right. not deviating too much. For like so, the Walking Dead spinoff that's coming this summer. My, my biggest matter. issue with TV is basketball was so good this year. <laughs> that normally there would have been nights where I would have been like, oh, I'm going to catch up. I'm right. going to watch three Better Call Sauls tonight. I have all right. the Better Call Sauls on my DVR and I haven't watched one of them yet. And it's, it's like every night it's like, oh, Oklahoma City's playing Memphis? Do you think that that's because you expect Better Call Saul to be a little bit of like a demanding watch? Or do you think it's just because over these last few months sports have been so good that you just haven't had like the free time to knock stuff I think out? there's too much TV and there's <laughs> yeah, too many – there's too many – I would say like 15 to 17 game winners as as starting pitchers. Yeah. But not enough aces. And I think it seems to be a split opinion on whether better cross saw is an ace or whether it's 17 and 12 with a 350 RA. And I don't know. But it's like I, if you guys are telling me Daredevil's an ace, then I'll go out of my way to watch Daredevil. It's it's really fun and really worth watching, but I think you're really right about where we are with TV, where there's so much of it, and so much of it is good, not that All much of it good. is great. It's not great, but it's, it's either good or and, really good. And what we gain in that is that everyone has their DVR of like nine things that they love. Yeah. You know, as I, mean, I, have to, I can't go a podcast without mentioning the Americans. We all have the things that we love that are our own A's that might be everyone else's B's or B pluses. I was going to say the Americans but, is like 11 and 12, but it has like a 230 ERA, and Andy's pushing it for the Cy Young. <laughs> But it's yeah, I, I, 79 and 83. I'm Jonah Carey, and it is my uh, yeah. Chip it, Felix it, it well, my this is almost like it's my Tim Raines. You know, but my point is that this is one of the reasons why we get so hype about Game of Thrones because it's really the last consensus show that we are all maybe Mad Men. You know, it's ending, but Game of Thrones we all watch it and we all watch it at the same time. And I miss that fun. It was fun when we had a couple shows that we were all well, into at the to same me, time. To me, Game yeah. of Thrones is just what I'm going to spend the next uh, couple months doing before True Detective season two comes on. Oh. Do you want to talk about that trailer? Let's just end up by talking about that. Did you see this? I did. Pretty excited. At first, it was like, <laughs> Vince Vaughn, he looks sad. What's going on? Because my DVR of Game of Thrones just started with Vince Vaughn. I'm like, I'm, I'm like, is this the Google movie? Like, I didn't understand what's going on. <laughs> it, it, it was an image of him looking at the... It was him looking at the box office report from the movie where he was the father of everyone. You know, yeah, he was like, oh. He made $10 million. Oh. They, uh, yeah. they really let Farrell be Farrell. This well, you is, and I, let, you love him, right? Uh, I love him. Chris and I are like way Also, up they there. were like, let's give him a I bolo love, tie and a mustache and a great smoking mustache. habit. Yeah. This great is mustache. peak Farrell. Here, here's my struggle. This is, can I just make this about me for a sure. second? How is this going to resolve itself where the, un, the, 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 the fast-speeding object of my adoration for Colin Farrell and all things meets the immovable object of my dislike for season one of True Detective? Which will win out? Like, I will watch... Colin Farrell in anything. And when you tell me then that he's wearing a mustache, a bolo tie, and his name is Ray Velcro, I, 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 how can I not love this? It's a, first of all, it's a totally different season. It's almost yes. like how uh, – I don't, I don't think season one and season two really have a correlation. So I think you're fine. No. You can jump back in I mean, and say you love for, season two. From what I've been told from people who have a bigger knowledge of the whole season – that this this season does not have the sort of mystical stuff that the first season had that was you know that got some people super obsessed this if you are i've been told that if one is a fan of like james elroy and la confidential traditional california noir which i'm like a this. huge fan of right. then you're probably going to like it and i, I don't mean I'm to go down a landmine here but 
All right, so and I know I know actors are huge parts of shows, so it's hard to separate that from this. But if True Detective last year had Kyle Chandler and I'm trying to think of somebody like a decent act, like I don't know Jared Leto as yeah. the two leads, sure. Instead of catching McConaughey and, and Woody Harrelson and just that dynamic and everything, and it's just the show itself. Does it become even 70% as much of a phenomenon? I think – How much of that – basically the question is how much of that was McConaughey and Harrelson a, trumping the show? I think it's a cult favorite, but I don't think it becomes a blockbuster. Because I, I, I think so I, much of what the McConaughey character became in terms of becoming like a meme for everybody and everybody was just joking about him all the time and now he's almost parodying that character in these Lincoln commercials is about McConaughey and then the run he was on – and right. it all bleeds into the and, award ceremonies that he was doing around that time. And yes, and, and what, what I think what made that show exceptional, and I say that as someone who didn't even like it, I just mean it non good bad, just truly exceptional and worth talking about, was that it was elevated by Harrelson, it was elevated by McConaughey, it was elevated by the pixie dust sprinkled on it when movie stars came to TV. So sure. immediately people were paying attention, and the direction Carrie Fukunaga directed the living hell out of that show. And I think those elements hid the fact that I think it was kind of weak, weak sauce underneath it. And you McConaughey, know, so wouldn't you say he was about as overqualified as you're going to be able to get to yes. be on an HBO show? He's probably yes. somebody who's, I would say now, is one of the five most powerful actors in Hollywood. Yeah, and he was basically slumming it on an HBO show compared to the other stuff that he. Could and do. so this season is going to live or die on Nick Pizzolatto, who has all the power as the showrunner and writes all the episodes, and that's the weak link to me. I mean, that's why I think it might not work. It, it there isn't the same thing. Also, there's not one director through every episode because that almost killed that guy Fukunaga. It was too much work. So Justin Lin, you know, who did yeah, Fast and the Furious movies, episodes. directed the first two episodes, yeah. and and Fargo was proof that you can have a consistent visual tone with a bunch of different directors. I think they so can, can internalize a lot of the stuff that Fukunaga did. Like, even in the trailer, you're seeing, like, some of the shots that, like, the the, visual they're, they're cribbing stuff from the first season. All right, well, we should wrap it up there. That was a lot of stuff we got through. Uh, thank you to Bill for joining us. That was great. Uh, it was good to guest. see Andy. Yeah, we'll be back nice on Wednesday. Thanks for inviting me. You can tune in for us uh, for Watch the Thrones, our review preview podcast. We'll be joined by some special guests. And uh, I'll see you next week, buddy. Great job, Baranskis. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Grantland. To hear more Grantland shows in your earballs, subscribe to Grantland Sports and Grantland Pop Culture on iTunes. Or go to grantland.com and click on podcast.